Hey, what could you do with this $1,000? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, it is indeed time for the 48 Days Podcast. Hey, if you're a new listener, 48 Days means it's an adequate time in which to look at your options, get the advice and opinion of other people, choose the best one, and act. That's the deal. If you go into day 49 doing what you were doing previously, that's okay. We'll still love you. But hey, we got a lot of people who use that period of time to make new decisions change their lives. That's what we're all about here at 48 Days. Well, got some questions today that are going to challenge us all. What would you do with $1,000? We've been talking about that some. Got somebody who, a listener who has an example of what he and his son are doing. Really cool story. Somebody says, Dan, should I tell the truth about my passion or just keep my day job? If I take advantage of a big company benefit, how long should I feel obligated to stay after that? How can I grow my group from only 200 followers? And then somebody asks a professional, I'll tell you what she does here when we get to that. Where can I find a coach for my entire profession? All right, fun questions. We got some free resources for you and more. Our business partner today is FreshBooks. Be telling you about them, how you can keep your books straight. Don't get in a financial mess no excuse for it these days with the tools we've got available. I want you to get fixed, get up to speed in what you're doing in your finances. Well, here's a quotation for today. comes from Dennis Waitley, longtime motivational speaker, teacher, trainer. He says, chase your passion, not your pension. So the call to action is, how are you developing your passion this month? Now, notice I didn't say, how are you making money from your passion necessarily? How are you developing it? And you're going to feel stilted. You're going to feel short. You're going to feel like something's missing if you let a passion just lay dormant. Now, that doesn't mean you need to quit your job and do just that. Yes, you can ruin your love for something by trying to force it to be the only source of income. We'll talk about that in context of one of the questions asked here. But what are you doing to develop it? Nonetheless, how do you develop your passion? You know, I, I talk about usually passion is more developed than it is discovered. So it's not a matter of just getting an aha moment, having that road to Damascus experience. Oh, this is my passion. No, it usually starts as a small seed and it develops into a passion by nurturing it, doing something extremely well over a period of time. Then it becomes a passion. But let me tell you about our friends at FreshBooks. Then we'll get into some of the questions. You know, a lot of you have small businesses or business on the side. You know, more and more that we talk to have are doing something on the side this year. So in 2019, you may have a traditional job, but you're using those 15 hours a week to develop something on the side that you want to do as well. How do you keep things straight in that? You know, how do you keep from having things be a mess? Well, some of the ways you do that, you know, is create custom invoices even if you've got a little landscaping business 
or you're just doing a little cleanup business or washing windows, whatever it is, have invoices that have your logo on them and reflect your brand colors. Working with a young lady yesterday, she's got a PhD in psychology. She's a mindfulness trainer and she's doing workshops on vision creating, but she doesn't even have a website. She doesn't have any kind of an invoice. Oh my gosh, you know, do something that projects you as being a professional. You know, I have people who do work for us around here on our property. And, you know, when somebody just pulls out a piece of paper and just hand writes an invoice, I think, oh my goodness, it's so easy to do something that would give you a more professional look. Well, FreshBooks will allow you to do that and a whole lot more. You know, one of the really cool things is if you send out an invoice and two weeks have passed and you think, wow, you know, I wonder if they really got it. You know, sometimes a mail doesn't always get through. Well, with FreshBooks, you send it electronically, you know exactly when they see it. You don't have to go through that awkward conversation. You know, have you seen my invoice? Nah, you can do that. You know, if you got multiple projects, FreshBooks allows you to keep your cash flow details all in one place so you can see what's happening with all of your projects all in one time, all in one place. Hey, just go to FreshBooks dot com slash 48 days enter 48 days in the how did you hear about a section that'll give you a free 30-day trial you don't even need to put it in a credit card again just freshbooks.com slash 48 days and then put 48 days in the how did you hear about us section now we got a resource for you now some of the things we're going to deal with today have to do with finding your purpose identifying your passion and i talk a lot about that three-legged stool where you have to know your talent, your passion, and then have an economic model. Those are the three legs of the stool. If any one leg is missing, a two-legged stool isn't going to stand. It's going to fall over. Those are the three. So if you go to 48days.com slash purpose, got a worksheet for you there that'll help you walk through identifying those three things for yourself. All right, we got some good news. Always got good news. There's a whole lot of things happening. I have kind of a theme for our good news pieces today. And this is wealthy athletes who are doing something worthwhile. Now, we all know that, you know, the athletes are paid ridiculous amounts of money. You know, that may change over time. But right now, it seems to be continuing. We know that they're given big bonuses, sign-on bonuses, and sometimes they don't know what to do with it. Well, some of them are doing some kind of cool things. So I got a couple stories here that have to do with that. So here's a Major League Baseball player who donated his $9.4 million estate so it can bring joy to special needs kids. Uh, Cole Hamels, who served as a pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, the Texas Rangers prior, prior to his current position with the Chicago Cubs, donated this estate that he and his wife had built as their dream home. And then because he got transferred, they weren't living there anymore. And instead of just selling it, cashing out, they gave it to Camp Barnabas, a nonprofit that facilitates summer camps for special needs kids, kids with chronic illnesses. Now, this is a pretty spectacular place. You can check it out if you want to go check it out. But it includes 100 acres of land and a 32,000 square foot mansion right on the shoreline of Table Rock Lake. Now, that's um, that's a big piece of property. Thirty-two. Can you imagine having a 32,000 square foot mansion? Now, that ought to house a whole lot of kids, and that's exactly what it's doing. You know, Joanna and I are anticipating 
moving this year. And so we're looking at houses and we have three kids and a whole lot of grandkids. We want something that'll handle everybody adequately. And we're looking at houses that are about 3000 square feet. You know, when you go beyond that, it's like, wow, there's got to be rooms that you never go into. And it may necessitate having a, a crew that comes in to take care of it. Cow, it's one of it's one of those things, you know, how much do you really know? When is enough enough? A 32,000 square foot home, I can't imagine anybody, no matter what the size of their family, justifying a house that big. Well, that's a story for another time. Well, here's another one. Roger Federer, you know him as being a tennis player. He has built 50 new preschools in Africa. Now, this has happened over a long period of time, but he has a passion for that. And so he's 34 years old, Swiss athlete. He's been funding the building of schools for years, and then he goes around and visits them. But it's just a passion of his, so he's been doing it for a long time, more than 50 preschools. You know, he's donated over $13 million over the last 10 years. Now, so again, when you see these athletes, you know, getting out, sometimes they just spend it on personal excess. Obviously, we see that a lot. A lot of funny videos out there about big football players driving, trying to get in and out of Lamborghinis because the Lamborghini is kind of the prestige car to have. And yet they're very low to the ground and very difficult to get in and out of. If you have to happen to be a little hefty in size, well, there's that, but there are some of these athletes that are doing some pretty cool things. Here's another one. There's, here's a couple of guys who are in England, they're football stars and they bought a building they, uh, it, it's a big building, used to be the stock exchange building, and they turned it into a boutique hotel. But they've given rights for the winter to an organization there in London or, so that about 30 young men can be guaranteed shelter. Uh, one of the activists told Channel 4 News there, he burst into tears when he got the call from Neville, the Manchester United coach. To us, this is a lifeline. This is saving lives throughout the winter period. So they just, and they, and they nicknamed it the Sock Exchange. It used to be the Stock Exchange building. It's a rather elegant building, but now they're using it just to house the homeless. Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to do. Well, those are our stories. Those are our good news pieces for today. If you got a good news story or success story of your own, like the one I'm going to read here just next, you know, shoot it into me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, this comes from Chris Alsop, known Chris for... My goodness, a long, long time. Chris used to work for Dave Ramsey years and years ago and has gone on to other things. But he says, hey, Dan, it's been a while since we've talked. I hope all is well with you. I was listening to your podcast the other day, and I'm currently starting the January 4th episode. Love what people are suggesting as far as helping others with a $1,000 investment to start their business. When I heard this in December, I've been meaning to write to share a cool story about my son, Drake, who's now 17, junior in high school. And what he and I are doing with $1,000 this year, 2019. So this is the story. Drake started mowing yards when he was 10 years old, selling old toys consistently over the years to make money. He had a skateboard business at age 13, started detailing cars with a friend a couple years ago, which led to an opportunity to buy a car at a great price, detail it, turn a $2,500 profit. 
All that being said, he had saved a hefty amount over the years, purchased his first personal vehicle a few months back for cash. So 17-year-old purchased a 2012 Dodge Challenger. Previous one-owner car, low miles, handles all the... um, well, let's see, he expects to grow. Oh, wait a minute, I got off, I jumped ahead here. So he purchased a car with old miles. He depleted a large amount of savings for that purchase. He continues all of his creative ways of making money. After the nice profit on the car flip, we talked to a friend of mine in the car business who has set us up to buy and sell through him for a fair fee, where we are now going to the local auto auctions. Now, I've done that in the past. Now, what that involves, if you're interested in this kind of a model, is dealers, there there are a lot of auctions that are dealer only. So you have to be a dealer. It just makes the paperwork easier for the auction company to have an established dealer. So they know the connections, bank credentials, and all of that. But you can have that dealer say, I'll let you use my license and just pay me $200, let's say, to just process a car purchase. I have that kind of relationship with a couple car dealers where I can go to dealer only auctions and buy anytime I want. Now, a lot of auctions are not closed to the general public. And I'll tell you about that in a minute as well. Anyway, Chris says, when I heard your show, I had to share what my son and I are doing. We decided for 2019 to have our own $1,000 challenge. We started with that amount to purchase our first vehicle through this new structure and see how we can grow that $1,000 this year. He expects to grow his larger account, his account larger than it's ever been through this plan. Uh, with the two of us buying together, he handles all the detailing and prep to sell. Then I handle his dad, all the marketing and closing of the deals. This is going to be a fun side hustle for both of us. We're snowballing all profits back into this challenge. Can't wait to see this number grow fast. I don't know how about you, but we have big goals for this initial investment of $1,000. This plan has started and is underway. I'll update you on the growth. Very exciting to see my son driven by this kind of idea that we created. Well, I love that. Love that idea. And he sent me a picture of the car that his son flipped and made the $2,500 profit. It was a Mercedes. So he flipped it, made the profit, invested that, put it in his kitty to buy the, the Dodge Challenger that he has. Well, you can do that. I mean, that's a great challenge. I commend you, Chris, on doing that, you and your son, Drake. I mean, what a cool thing to do. And yes, I believe that you can do that. One of the things that I know here in Franklin, Tennessee, is that I can purchase cars like at the repo auctions up in the northern part of Nashville. I mean, there's auctions up there. There's one up on Dickerson Road every Monday, and they have repos. I purchased a a BMW there one time. This has been several years ago now. Uh, 325 series BMW at a repo auction. I purchased it for $1,365. Now, when the cars come through repo auctions like that, you don't get to drive them, check them out or anything. You just buy them. But if you buy them right and know what you're looking for, you can get deals that are just astounding. So I paid $1,365 for the car. In the glove box were the papers where a young lady had purchased it six months prior for $7,700. I spent $125 on a new drive shaft mount because when I drove it out, it had a little vibration. So I spent $125 on a new drive shaft mount and then had my daughter Ashley drive it back and forth from Berry College in Rome, Georgia, where she was going to school for a couple years. I mean, and then she drove it even after that. 
then I ended up selling it. I think I ended up selling it for like $5,500 after she had driven it for four years. But that's the kind of thing that you can do. Now, should everybody run out and buy a car and hope to make the kind of money that Drake is making on his or that I've done lots of time? No, you don't do that unless you understand cars. You know what to look for. I mean, if you do, then you can do that. But this is like so many other things. Follow your passion. Follow something you're curious about already. If you like guitars, then you know recognize the value of guitars. You know, I talked talk, talk about a young guy a couple weeks ago who is buying and selling golf clubs. Well, he's an avid golfer. He knows golf clubs. He recognizes deals online on eBay. Buys those, cleans them up, puts them back up for sale, and he's making four or five thousand dollars a month by buying and selling golf clubs. You know, he, he knows golf clubs. So follow what it is that you know, but then golly, give yourself a little investment money like that. I love that story. A little investment money and then move on from there. Well, this, this one goes, dear Dan, I'm tempted to ask you not to use my real name, but I feel like anyone who listens to this will know that you're talking about me. Well, I don't need to mention your name because the situation will fit a whole lot of people that are listening who will think it's them. So that's cool. This gentleman continues, I work for a construction company that's almost doubled in size over the last year, but I don't like what I do, and I don't think I'm very good at it. In my head of hearts, I'm a commercial artist and I've made almost a third of the annual income that I make in my day job, making art for people who need or want it. The complication is that all the jobs I've done as an artist in the last year were leads I got through my current company. I have my first review in over two years coming up soon. Should I tell my boss I really want to be an artist? I'm pretty sure he knows this anyway. Or do I just keep pretending to love my current job and wait till I can afford to leave it? Your advice would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so you're in a job, you're not crazy about it, not even sure you're very good at it. But in doing so, you're getting leads for your art, which is something you do enjoy. This is not a clear either or. This may be a both and kind of situation. You know, a lot of times when somebody has something as a passion, they frustrate themselves by moving into that alone as their only source of income. Now, you know me, I'm going to talk about follow your passion and turn that into how do you combine that with your talent and with an economic model. So you have that three-legged stool that we talk about. And so you do that. I mean, certainly I get excited about that, but that's not always the best plan. And I worked with a young lady who was a Christian singer. Now she was good. And she would get booked for, you know, to go to a little church on a Sunday evening and sing. But she was doing, she knew God had called her to do that. That's another, you know, complicating factor sometimes. She felt like God had called her to do that. And so, you know, she would sleep on a friend's couch because she didn't have a place of her own, you know, and then she'd drive her old ratty car out to the little church on a Sunday night. And then she'd just hope and pray that they'd give her enough in a love offering so she could buy groceries on Monday morning. And I said, Debbie, don't make this so difficult. You have other skills. What is it that you could do that would give you a consistent income and take the pressure off your singing that you're placing on it now? Well, she took a position, actually took a position with Fruit of the Loom in um, Bowling Green, Kentucky. They have their big headquarters there. As an administrative assistant, she was very good at that. All of a sudden, 
She had her own income. She had her own apartment. She bought a new car. She didn't have that pressure. She could go out to a little church on Sunday evening without the overriding desperation of what they would give her in a love offering. If they gave her $50, fantastic. If they gave her $1,000, you know, wonderful. But it was just a, a, a blessing added on, but not the only provision for meeting her own personal needs. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't compromise her calling to be a singer because she has a regular job. And in your case here, in what you're describing, it sounds like the job meets a reasonable need in your life. And the fact that you want to do art, you know, to do art, I'm not sure exactly what you're doing, but if you're designing logos or doing, you know, branding work for people or just doing caricatures, I mean, whatever it is, you need to have a pretty consistent plan for how this is going to generate income for you. Don't put yourself in a position of desperation by leaving a good job and then just hoping that this is going to work out. Now, you also hear me talk about with a lot of people, let's take your passion that you want to do and get it to where it's generating at least 50% of what you're making now in your current job. But where you're doing that like three months in a row, where you really see this is a consistent pattern and where it's really clear that if you dedicated the rest of your time to that, you could make up the gap in income pretty quickly. That's not unreasonable at all. But with what you're talking about here also, there's no shame in having a real job. And until you get really clear on taking this passion and making it a real, predictable, consistent business, don't leave your job. Now, the resource we had today, as you remember, was to get that overview for how to define your three-legged stool, your talent, your passion, and an economic model. So go to 48days.com purpose. It's just a free resource we have for you there. Go there to check that out. Well, hey, just a quick note here, a reminder. These are real questions coming in from people just like you and me. You know, being on, being on, I was on the radio for six years before I started doing a podcast. And we know that if you have a call-in show, you'll never get 1% of your listeners that ever call in. Not even 1%. A lot of people think it's pretty intimidating, you know, to call in with a question, or in this case, to write in with a real question. Hey, don't worry about it. I mean, we get a lot of them in. I'm grateful for that. But I mean, don't, don't, don't think that it's somehow going to uh, put you on the spotlight. If you want me not to use your name, that's okay. I mean, the question is going to relate to a lot of other people anyway. I love the variety of real life questions that come in. So if you got one, something you want us to discuss, hey, feel free just to shoot it into me. The easiest way is just shoot it in to ask Dan at 48days.com. You can go to the podcast site, go to 48days.com, go to the podcast site. You'll see on any page on 48 Days, the little microphone over in the side. You can just click in the microphone and just start talking. You can leave those as well. Sometimes we introduce an audio question here. Now, this comes from, again, I won't use the name because it's somebody that um, I know well. He says, as you know, I'm about three months out of finally quitting my day job. This week, I found out about a new 2019 parental benefit. Now, this is really interesting, which is retroactive to last fall when we had a baby. 
That enables me to take a one month of paid paternity leave as soon as February 1st. So the baby's already here, but the benefit is retroactive. So he could, even though the baby is now, say, three or four months old, he could take advantage of this benefit that the company offers for a one month parental leave. So he continues, I'm struggling with the idea of walking away from a month of full salary and benefits that I could spend at home with family and building the business even bigger. But I wouldn't feel right about coming back from this paid leave and quitting within a month or two. What do you think is a reasonable amount of time to stay at the job after I return from leave? I want to utilize this awesome benefit and also handle the situation with integrity. Golly, I appreciate your setup on this. So you are already planning on leaving, let's say the end of March. That's already in place. But now this benefit pops up where you could theoretically take the month of February off, come back from that month of paid leave and give your notice and then leave. Yeah, I'd be a little squeamish about doing that. Now, can you do that legally? It sounds like you can. But I think there's a larger issue here. You know, it's never just the letter of the law. I mean, we're in a society where a lot of that is operated upon, where it's just the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. But I think the spirit of a good relationship with an employer, somebody you've been working for for quite a period of time. And I think this would be a violation of that. So the question then becomes this. So let's set up the options here. So you could take that leave in February. And let's say that we think it's reasonable that you would then stay another six months on the job. And at that point, yeah, then it's okay to go ahead and give your notice. Or you could just go ahead as planned anyway. And in at the end of March, just we'll keep working as you are at the end of March. Just go ahead and quit. Now, to me, I would do that 100% rather than option A that I described. Rather than trying to justify taking the month off and then staying a reasonable period of time, say four or six months after that, if your mindset is such that you're already planning to leave at the end of March, you've got a business that's grown like crazy on the side, that's really where your heart is, your passion is. To me, that's a big sacrifice. You know, this is one of those... You know, our opening quotation from Dennis Whaley, you know, follow your passion, not your pension. You know, don't try to just milk the system, but keep yourself in a position that's holding you back from developing the business that you're developing. Man, I'd forget the benefit and just go ahead with the plan that you had and move into your own business, which you've been waiting so patiently to do for a long period of time. I would not let anything, I would not let a little carrot divert me from that plan. Well, hey, you know what people are going to say? Yeah, you know, people are going to say, well, <laughs> sure, take the benefit, man. A month paid to not be there because it is a benefit that's offered. People say I'm crazy. Well, I love this overview, an old John Lennon song. Isn't that the truth? My goodness, I mean, how many people 
looking over your shoulder. You're going to leave? You're going to leave when you could, in another 13 years, have a fully vested retirement program? Wow. I hear that's from, well, we used to have the Saturn plant here. It's changed a little bit now. But it used to be people that have been involved with General Motors, you know, been there for 12 years. And they'd start looking at that. Wow, only another 13 years doing something that I absolutely detest, and I'm going to have a fully funded retirement program. Are you kidding me? How would you justify that amount of time if you really know there's something else that you want to move into? Well, you got to get used to those naysayers around you, believe me. You got to get used to people not believing in your dream. Hey, if they did, they'd do it themselves. You know, sometimes it's family members who say, you got to be nuts. You know, is this even responsible to leave a position like that when you got a wife and small kids? Well, that's why it requires having a clear vision for what it is that you want to do. This is not for amateurs. This is for people who have taken the time to identify their purpose, their passion, their calling. Those are the kind of people who are going to be able to move into this with confidence and make it work. Well, let's grab a couple more here. Now, this comes from, this was a conversation in the, in the Eagles community, and I want to share this here because it relates to what I hear from so many of you. We are so enamored with big numbers. Gee, how can I get, you know, 5,000 more Facebook likes? How can I get more Instagram followers? How can I get more connections? How can I get the 5,000 connections on LinkedIn? We get so enamored with that that we lose sight of the real essential principles. So, Diesta, in the 48 Days Eagles community, incidentally, you hear me reference that if you're a podcast listener and not in there, you just know it's a group where people have really raised their hand and say, I'm not content with mediocrity. I want to move forward. And what I'm doing, I got people coming in there every day. You can check it out at 48dayseagles.com. But Diesta says, we launched, so she launched an online community in September and only have about 200 followers. Is it more important to work on building a following with good content blogs, offering a course, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, obvious disappointment. We only have 200 followers. So I responded to Diesta. I did a quick Research. The Barna Group is an organization that does a lot of research on churches in America. The Barna Group says 85% of churches in America never get to 200 members. <laughs> now think about that. That means 85% of pastors on Sunday morning, after spending the whole week nurturing that little group, getting ready for a sermon, standing up in the, in the pulpit, they're not going to have 200 people that are listening to them. So I encouraged Diesta, I said, think about your group in that way. You are their shepherd. I mean, what a privilege. Then she actually said, Jed, I'd like to have an hour consultation with a coach if possible. And I said, hey, I'll do that. I'll work with you. I'll help her. She's taken the initiative. Golly, I want to commend people who have done that. Show them their rewards and taking action and sharing what you're doing. Sure. So I'm scheduling a time to work with her to help her with this. But you have 200 people? Wow. I mean, that's a great, great start. In August of 2000, so we're talking 
19 years ago now, I sent out my newsletter. I sent out a newsletter every Friday with just career tips. So I sent it out. I sent it out to 67 people. I had 67 email addresses. That's who I sent it out to. I said, I'm going to be doing this every Friday. If you like it, share it with your friends. If you want us to take it off the list, we'll be happy to do that. Just let me know. But I said, I'm going to be doing this every week. Now, I've continued to do that. I've never missed a week of doing that. Now, that consistency builds trust. And over time, yes, those numbers have grown exponentially. So I don't have 67 people anymore. You know, we got a whole lot of people to get that news weekly newsletter. But I started with 67 and I gave them the same value. I put the same amount of work. Actually, I probably put more work into it then than I do now. Because now we have so much content from which to draw that we can pull things together and share things that we've had as resources over a period of time. So back then it probably took me more work, but I, I put a lot of effort into that with those 67 people, served those people well, they shared with others. So over time, you know, we've had over 140,000 people that have signed up for that newsletter, but it started with that. You know, there's a brand new book out by Seth Godin. You hear me reference him. He's an amazing marketing mind. His new book is called This Is Marketing. He talks in there about having the smallest viable audience. He says the goal isn't to maximize your social media numbers. The goal is to be known to the smallest viable audience. That means you may have a financial tips newsletter that goes out to 1500 people and you make $200,000 because of product services that you have available with that 1500 people. It doesn't have to be thousands and thousands It could be even a smaller number, but everybody starts with one. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, nobody starts with 50,000 people. You start with whatever you have. And if that's 10 people who believe in you, then serve those 10 people really, really well. That's where we all started. I encourage you to do the same. Don't underestimate the value of a small group who really believe in you, who are listening to you. So if it's a podcast, I mean, that's another place where people get enamored. Oh my gosh, you know, I only had, you know, 300 downloads last week. Well, again, you get a bigger audience than 85% of the churches in America if you had 300 downloads. So don't negate the value of that. Just keep serving those people really well. Same way with the podcast. No, I had been on radio here in Nashville for six years, WTN, same station Dave Ramsey was on, Chuck, or uh, Rush Limbaugh, people like that, and then discovered the power of podcasting. But I was concerned that moving from live radio to podcasting, my numbers would drop. That never happened. They exploded. The numbers went up dramatically, instantly. Matter of fact, you know, I started what I'm doing today started as a Sunday school class, which many of you know. Then I went to a weekly seminar. Then I went to radio. Then I went to podcast. Each move gave me a 10 times bigger audience. So with podcasting, am I, you know, totally devoted to podcasting? That's eh, a great tool, but you show me the next thing that's 
going to, you know, help me increase my impact even more? Yeah, I'll be on to that. Right now, I think it's the most magical thing ever. It's the most powerful thing I've ever experienced in terms of loyalty, responsiveness for connecting with people, the intimacy where people listening, it goes so far beyond the level of connection that comes from having a book, a written book, which, uh, you know, I love writing books as well. But a podcast goes way beyond that. Anyway, just uh, however this fits you with what you're trying to do, don't underestimate the value of starting with what you've got and growing it from there by taking good care of those people who do give you their time and attention. Well, let me grab another question here. Now, this is this was a discussion in 48 Days Eagles as well. Melissa, who is a veterinarian, she says, oh, can I hire a coach for an entire profession? I won't go into all the details, but I'm, as I'm slowly peeling back the layers of veterinary medicine, I continue to find more brokenness. We are a struggling group who needs guidance and inspiration. There are glimmers of hope as there are others like me who are crusading for something better, but it's a long, bumpy road ahead of us. Now she continues with that. She says, uh, the biggest immediate threat for veterinarians is the income to debt ratio. In the last five to 10 years, vet school tuition has skyrocketed, and it's common for new grads to be leaving school with three to $500,000 in student loan debt. Factor in the average starting salary of less than $80,000, and it means we've created a generation of professionally trained individuals with very advanced degrees who can't afford basic living expenses. And if you do the math on that, the monthly loan payment will take up approximately half the monthly income. It's an incredibly discouraging situation. So she goes through, again, some of the discouraging things with that, but is saying, how can I find a coach for this profession? Well, my challenge, my response to her, to Melissa, was your question, can I hire a coach for an entire profession? Melissa, it appears you are that person. Your personal experience and insight into your profession puts you in a perfect position to coach struggling veterinarians. And she, and, and she says, well, you know, I know they need it, but they're struggling. So how do you charge when a group that you want to serve is already struggling? And again, I responded, I said, Melissa, every professional group is struggling in quotations, dentists, physicians, psychologists, etc. It's a mindset. And phrases we use more than any objective reality. I personally coach a lot of pastors. Are pastors struggling? Yeah, you better believe it. Underpaid, overworked, stretched thin, required to do way more than they should realistically be expected to do. They're struggling. They all struggle. But I've never discounted my coaching fees and they continue to line up. I work with lots of coaches or lots of pastors. We have to get out of these preconceived mindsets that see this as an impossible situation with the struggling veterinarians that are out there. There are thousands and thousands of them. You don't need all of them. And you, you can't work with all of them. You can't coach 500 of them. You can't coach 10,000 of them. You know, if you're working and really helping veterinarians, they have a clear process by which to do that. You may be able to work with two or three a month. That's it. That's a really tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the struggling veterinarians out there. So you're going to screen through to find those 
who know they're struggling, but they do have the ability and willingness to pay for coaching to help make their situation better. So watch these broad generalizations. Hey, I don't care what it is that you're doing. You know, it's easy to get into that mindset where we use these broad generalizations to make us convinced there are obstacles to moving into it is what it is we want to do. If you recognize the need in the company that you're working with, you may be able to position yourself as a consultant to that company. You may be able to quit and come back as a consultant and be paid four times more for your time than you were previously. I mean, that happens a lot. If you're in a profession and you see that there are others struggling in your profession, that insight, that understanding, being inside the profession itself may give you exactly what you need to be a coach in that profession. I've also worked with a lot of dentists. Dentists and pastors are the two biggest professional groups of people that I've coached over the years. Both struggle with what they do. Both have a lot of people who are discouraged with and overwhelmed in what they're doing. But worked with a dentist several years ago who hated dentistry. And I'm like, how in the world did you end up here? I mean, this is not just you know, a casual left turn and you end up being a dentist, you have to be pretty dedicated to get through dental school. Well, his dad was a doctor. He didn't want to do that, but he wanted to do something where he could wear nice clothes. People would respect him and he could make decent money. There was nothing about dentistry that had anything to do with his making that career choice. It was the things I just described. And I said, okay, so we could have a lot of things that would meet your need there and yet not have you be a dentist if we could figure out a way to do that. Well, again, he was used to making pretty decent money as a dentist. I said, we don't need to throw that out, but let's look at a way that you could use your background, your unique understanding of dentistry so that you could position yourself to still wear nice clothes, be respected by people and make decent money. So here's what we did in that case. I said, what is it that dentists need? You know, what is it that would make their life easy? Well, one of the things is, you know, they have a lot of equipment and the equipment wears out and then they have to go purchase it and they don't know the industry. They don't know price comparisons. I said, what if you became that coordinator for purchasing where you had a buying co-op where dentist would pay $21 a month to be part of your buying co-op? If you went to the manufacturers of all those things that they use, the little hand rotary tools and so on, if you went to those suppliers and said, I'm going to bring you a buying block of people where they're not going to come and wear you out with all their little questions, I'm going to be the decision maker in between and we're going to purchase from you. Would you give us a discount? They said, oh my gosh, yes, we'd be glad to do that. Massive discounts. So he set it up like that with suppliers Then went back to dentists. I asked him, I said, how many dentists are there? in the United States. I don't know. I don't remember the, but it was like 200,000. I said, could we get a thousand of those that you could contact who would be willing to pay $21 a month to be part of your buying co-op just for the privilege of you being the go-to guy that would negotiate great prices on anything that they need as supplies. He said, well, I think I can do that. I said, why don't you do that in 90 days? That's exactly what he did. He went out, he actually got more than that. But think about that. So what did he do? Now, he was not in a position to start a new business because of some poor business decisions he had made in leaving dentistry three different times. 
He had filed bankruptcy a couple years prior, purchased a franchise. He had no business purchasing, didn't understand it. And it turned out to be a disaster and he filed personal bankruptcy. So he wasn't bankable. He couldn't go to the bank and get a loan to start a business. But he knew dentistry. So he put together that business model. In 90 days, he had a thousand dentists who were paying him $21 a month. Well, you can do the math on that. It's a business we started with no capital, no bricks and mortar location, no sign permits, no employees, just a buying service that was now generating $21,000 a month from dentists who were paying him to be their scout to go find these great deals. And he built it from there. Now, that's the kind of opportunity a lot of you are sitting on, where because you're inside, a, but see, what most people would see with that immediately is, well, gee, I can't go and get a $250,000 small business loan because I made some mistakes myself, and I, I can't get that done. doesn't matter. If you've got a great idea, money is never an obstacle. Money is never, money is not limited. Money will show up in a hundred different ways if you've got a clear idea and it does in fact engage your talent and your passion. Now I couldn't do what he did. I don't know dentistry, but in that way we validated his background in dentistry, but gave him a new opportunity where he would be able to be respected by other people, wear nice clothes, make a whole lot of money and never again have to have his hands in somebody's slimy mouth. Well, that's what we make new decisions for professionals who often feel trapped in what they're doing. If you want to explore something like, you know, I feel like I just gave a a coaching talk there. I mean, I love helping people see new opportunities like that. You know, if, if you want to make a change, explore new opportunities. I mean, this is what we do around here, 48 days, day after day after day. If you go to 48days.com, click on the coaching tab, fill out a little thing about what your situation is there. Either I will work with you or we'll match you with somebody who has an area of competence. It's a perfect match for what it is you want to accomplish. So again, 48days.com, just click on the coaching tab. You'll be able to fill that out. We'll be delighted to help you find some creative options for what you're doing. Well, hey, you know what? We are, you know, that's enough to try to stick in. Got more questions here. We'll save those for another day. Our quotation for today, remember, chase your passion, not your pension. Dennis Whaley. So the question is, how are you developing your passion this month? Now, it could be playing a piano or growing dandelions or we're coming right into spring here. It could be something that has to do with, you know, maybe you grow monkey grass. The young man I worked with a couple of years ago, he was really good at that monkey grass. You know, it's, it's a common thing. It's almost seen as a weed because of the way it propagates. He was growing that and selling it. And turned out he started using his father-in-law's property to grow that, turned into a very lucrative business when it seems really, really common. Hey, this is a great time of year to be looking at what are those options that you can use? What are those things you can do that are going to give you an opportunity that other people say, oh, that can't work. Yeah, it can. Prove them wrong. Well, our resource today was that key for finding your three-legged stool, 48days.com slash purpose. You can go there and check it out. Well, I hope you are inspired by the beginning of a new year. We're coming up with a slogan. We're going to announce actually this week, we're going to announce a slogan. We had a whole lot of people submit slogans for 2019. And we're closing in on announcing a winner for that. I'll announce it here on the podcast next week. A winner with that. The winner of that gets a 30-minute power session with me. 
Uh, love to do those. Those we, we found have been really, uh, really productive. Uh, people in my mastermind can sign up at any, any given time they want for a 30-minute session where we just look at new opportunities. We just blow through obstacles and look at new opportunities. So anyway, I'm delighted to work with somebody. Don't know who that is yet. My team is making that selection for whoever has the winning slogan that we're going to use and whoever submitted it first if there are multiples in that. So it'll be exciting to look at that. We got some other prizes as well where they get some 48 Days products and all that. So I hope you are inspired, encouraged by what's going on around you, the opportunities that you're seeing for this year. If you're not content with where you are, don't just settle in for that. Identify what would you like your life to look like at the end of this year. Create a clear plan. Start moving toward that. Lots and lots of options. Hey, thanks for being part of this growing community where we support each other, encourage each other, cheer each other on when others may not be doing that because we know we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.